Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. That's right. Why can't they see it just like me? It's the same in the whole entire world. Because every day is Halloween and it is Gothtober. Yes, it's finally back. <laughs> I am Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. This is Gothtober, our third annual, I believe, right? Yeah. Gothtober 2022. Yeah. I mean, I know we took a long break. There was a lot of stuff going on. And I mean, we were recording an episode before this, but in my catalog, we have 55 episodes and I've released like 34 or something. Wow. (laughs) So this is 56, according to... uh, my archive. Look at us go. But, I mean, I'll release those soon. But like I said, we've been super busy and a lot of different things have been going on within our lives. But I promise I'll release these soon. But I don't know if I'm going to release the one before it first or if we're just going to kick off Gothtober. Yeah. Maybe we come back strong with Gothtober. Yeah, for sure. Because that's, you know, we always show up for Gothtober. <laughs> we always show up for Gothtober. That's right. We got to take summers off. We're gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except for when we go to Burning Man. I mean, I, I still haven't put that one together. But what better way to kick off Gothtober but to have a 
double segment about Rasputina, and it's going to be pretty much about how we quit the forest and frustration plantation and kind of the things in between those albums, because I do have some things to say about that too. <laughs> I always wanted to say Malora is like our goth cello queen. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I think we talked about an artist before that like it's really cool how the scene supports them and unfortunately with Rasputina it seems like she's so obscure in a sense where she doesn't get a lot of support yeah because I guess even just calling her goth she's not goth she's goth but she's not all at the same time right like right so yeah She's Malora. She's it's Rasputina. They're one of a kind. They're so unique. So it's sometimes hard to fit into one scene to get that support you need when it's kind of like fringe people from different scenes coming together. Right. And we talked a lot about Malora before, I think about two years ago. You could look that up. We did go a little bit more into her past about like how she started and everything, if I remember right. We covered Unknown. Mm-hmm. I think we did anyway. I'm not We covered sure. Unknown. I don't remember what we talked about, though. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, she <laughs> is uh, Melora Krieger, born March 25th, 1966. She was classically trained. She is still making music she plays cello and she sings and i guess the way she started rasputina according to this video i sent santos to i watched is she sent out a classified ad looking for more cellists to i don't know if this is real or not but one came from poland and then someone else i can't remember where the other person came from and that's how they Canada Canada and that's how they came out with thanks for the ether yes also let's make this notable one of the reasons why she did get a little bit of clout I'm assuming is because Marilyn Manson remixed one of the songs off of thanks for the ether called Transylvanian Concubine mm-hmm. it's a uh, Uh, I mean, the remixes are pretty dated. I mean, it's very 90s, to say the least. Okay, so Chris Verna, a.k.a. Tweaker, produced this album, but what he's really known for is he used to play drums for Nine Inch Nails. He produced which album? How He Quit the Forest. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, when you said, like, more clout, that kind of, like, yeah, like, boosted her maybe yeah. mainstream popularity if there was Marilyn, yeah because she went on tour they went on tour with Marilyn Manson as well yeah right? they went on tour together in Europe so that gets you some more gather some more fans yeah also before Rasputina she was on tour as one of the cellists with Nirvana mm-hmm. it's hard to find videos of her in there but they are in there you just gotta look for it also as a promotion she was a musical guest on the late night with Conan O'Brien to promote the song Leech Wife. And for the life of me, I cannot find this video. Uh, if someone has that, I want to please see it. send That's it like to me. That's like two of my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, please, please send it to me. I can't find it. I've been looking for it for about 10 years now. 
Oh. It's really tough. Also, this album, How We Quit the Forest, is very personal for me. Like, this is like one of my favorite albums in the whole entire world. It kind of like held my hand through my 20s in a sense. And yeah, it's definitely like my favorite album. I, I just loved the way, I mean, if anybody is into cellos, I always bring up this album. And I think. The movie I helped out with, there's some cello scenes, right? And I actually asked this person if they heard of Rasputina. She didn't play cello. She just like got the motions right and everything. I was like, you have to listen to Rasputina because she was into Nine Snails and Ministry. And she's like, how come I've never heard this before? This was down my alley back then. I was like, I know. (laughs) Right. It's like, how do you get her more out there? Definitely. And how we quit the forest. I mean, it's it's what started our friendship in a way. I introduced you to them, too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you never heard of them. They're the best band in the world. (laughs) Well, Last Routine appeared on a mixtape a friend made me in high school. So I did know like a song, but I didn't have albums yet. It was probably Transpanian Concubine. No, it was Trench Mouth. Trench Mouth. Oh, right. Right. That's a good one. It is. So it was good. So I was so happy when you showed me that album because I knew one of the songs. I was like, ah, it's one of my favorite songs. So that was That's great. Right. And then That's we started right. seeing them live like every year when she comes through California. She's based out of upstate New York, right? Right. And I would have loved to see this iteration of Rasputina, but I'm not sure if they came over during that time. And back then, like the internet was a little bit wonky and I was living in that was in, if it was released in 1998, then I was working in San Francisco. Oh, that's the other thing about Respitina. Malora is always there. And then the other two people kind of rotate through. She's gone through a lot of different musicians. Yeah. Okay. So in this one, it says Julia Kent and Ag Rizinska Rimska. Anushka. Anushka. Is that who it is? Because yeah. that's the Polish in the, the video. I think that's, I only know how to pronounce that because it was in that video. <laughs> is it spelled crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Very. So they were a part of the sound, unassuming, but Chris Farina did the drums, the programming, and he produced the album. Critter did the mixing and engineering. And it was mastered by Stefan Percussion. The way I even heard about Rasputina is I used to have this friend that would just always buy like CDs off of these goth catalogs, industrial catalogs, and just happened to be one of them. And he had like this special edition one where it was just the book, but it had like all this illustrations. If you look at the cover, it looks like a little storybook or whatever. He had that. I was so jealous. <laughs> if anybody wants to send me that, I'd appreciate it. I don't have any money, but you could give it to me as a gift and I'd be very happy. <laughs> uh, yes. It's like our wish list. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a bucket list thing I really want. It's so funny because the critical reception of this on all music is three stars this should be 10 stars out of five (laughs) yes this album is amazing yeah i remember rob zombie said it was one of his favorite albums in 1999 or something like that really yeah yeah he really liked this album it's interesting because this album in general it always blew me away of hearing like distorted 
cellos because it has like a deeper tone than a guitar but it's not as like low as a regular bass but because it's like it has like this hollow sound out of it it does give you this kind of deeper sound out of it too so maybe it does have a deeper tone than a regular bass but it always just amazed me and like it like was like this mix especially this album it was like this mix between industrial and I mean, I guess it's called chamber rock, but because it had all these samples and drum loops and all this other weird stuff in it, it was almost bordering this industrial sound. But at the same time, it didn't because she had this really soft voice instead of screaming industrial like voice or whatever. And, <laughs> and it wasn't as harsh sounding as most industrial songs. So it was definitely like, on its own little plane in a sense. And there'd be times when I'd listen to this album, like every day I I just would listen to it. And it's weird listening to it now because a lot of it has to do like at least three or four of the songs in it has to do with like, who's ever mom or grandma or whatever, or the narrative that she's taking is this lady with dementia and it's kind of touching. Oh, like, is that the through it? Like there's a thread. Her music is very strange. The It's always like a strange play on history, kind of like historical references. Yeah, definitely. This one kind of does have that in a way, but it seems like she's referencing something like I think it's called Rose K. Yeah, that's that's a. I thought that was about a Kennedy. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't oh. there something weird? Like that's what I mean. Like if you dig in a little, so I don't know why I think that. I don't know because there's that part where she's like, "Oh, well, I don't know why they take on all my favorite things away." Yes. Da, 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 da. They're arguing over the furniture, and it's just like, "Oh, wow!" They're, she's talking about like she's taking the narrative of this older lady that doesn't know what's going on, but yes, it's just, so it is, sad. it is like, I'm like, how many songs are about Alzheimer's? You know what I mean? Or like dementia, then, like watch TV is definitely about that too. No, watch TV is about her. I only know this. Sorry. I want to say no. And um, when I saw her perform one time, she played that song for people requested it, like friends of hers to play it. And um, she cried during it because it was someone that helped, died and so they were playing that song and she's like this song originally was about some shitty ex or something like that like oh, it's about wow. some guy so it's like is that what she said know? i thought she was crying because it was about like she was crying because that person passed away yes because now it had a new meaning because oh. before originally the song wasn't so sad oh. it was it was a different kind of sadness and it was like old and like this is years and years later she's playing it and she's crying because someone these people are like oh can you play it in memory of like our friend or whatever you know and i think it was a friend of hers too and so it's like it took a new meaning because she said it originally was just about some like jerk in her life <laughs> that broke up with her or something yeah and, you know, it's so weird because I remember when I quit working in San Francisco and I just kind of sat there and I watched TV for like a good month and it made me like just reflect on that song. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone could reflect that song fits us all the time because there are times when we just like numbing through <laughs> yeah. like buffering stress through TV or, you know, like especially now that binge watching is such a thing 
Yeah, definitely. And it was just like watching for the sake of watching. It's funny because like some of the samples, I recognize them more nowadays. Mm. Like the drums in the beginning comes from a Black Sabbath song. Oh. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, that's where it comes from. And yeah, it's littered all over this. And yeah, to me, this was very cutting edge for what it was. And also, there's that one song, You Don't Own Me. And the original song was done by, like, it was a single back in 63. It was Leslie Gore. And it was a little bit more innocent or something like that. And then this version of it, I was just listening to it. And it reminded me of, like, she was talking in a sense that she was being stalked or she was being kidnapped in a sense. It just kind of creeped me the f*** out. <laughs> it had a different tone for sure. <laughs> I don't know if it was as creepy for me, but it is, it's intense. It's definitely more intense. It has a very dark undertone to it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. ooh. <laughs> no, that's true. And her albums always have some sort of weird little narrative story and like I said everything is kind of hinting at or alluding to different historical things because that's I think she I don't know if there was an interview a while back where she talked about that kind of like her his like like for history and so some of them might be funny to people who are really into history like they might know some of the references she's making or playing off of right right so maybe we'll kick off with leech wife because that like gives the idea of like the distorted cellos and uh, we'll go from there. This album is just so well put together. I wish we would have figured out if there was a way to meet her or something like that or pay ex, you know, the meet and greets or whatever, if she would have ever done that. I don't know if she had that. I think we would have tried. Yeah, I, I'm assuming you're right because I would have really would have liked to meet her. Probably need to hang around or something. Yeah, I will. I remember one time we were standing outside and they're walking in. To the venue. Yeah. But they weren't all done up and everything. I remember that. And then I don't know who ran the merch table. I don't know. I remember there was a CD that I was going to buy, but it was like 50 bucks. (laughs) 
but her daughter did the art on the CD. Oh yeah, it was like custom. Each one was different, right? Yeah, so yeah, it was really there wasn't cute. that many. It was very limited. Very, very limited. Yeah, yeah. So for many years, this was my goddamn favorite. I mean, it still is. It's definitely like my favorite album of all time. Mm-hmm. And I was anticipating the next album. And I remember going online. She would have like the covers and stuff like that. And that was lost and found. But I was totally looking forward to like a new original album. And at the time, like her website would play uh, This Little Piggy. (laughs) And she was like selling these crazy necklaces that were made out of like cello bowstrings. So jealous. (laughs) I wish I would have ordered them. Yeah. So it's only four years. Like it was from 1998 to 2002 and she released Cabin Fever. And I've never been so upset with an album in my whole entire life because I was like thinking it was going to sound more like how we quit the forest and everything. And actually, I feel pretty bad at what about that? I need to listen to that album. I don't even really listen to it that much. It's pretty good. I mean, it was just at the time I was expecting how he quit the forest and it was going to yeah. be like all these crazy things in it. And it wasn't that. And I feel pretty bad for not appreciating it more for what it is, because it, it does have some drum samples in there here and there, but it's a lot more like light on that. And <laughs> but we could still talk about how he quit the forest or should we play one more song off of it? Yeah, let's play one more song. What do you want to play? I just like so many. Yeah, they're all I good. Was, they're all I was really hooked good. on Sign of the Zodiac this time around. I always like watch TV, but I don't know if that's Oh, we can go into that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or oh wait, I gotta I gotta play You Don't Own Me. Oh yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> Definitely. This album is so amazing. I could stand out of a mountaintop and tell everybody to f- listen to this album. Yes, everyone should. Yeah, it's definitely a good album to start off with. But then you got to know she keeps moving and she keeps doing different things. And she always has different musicians with her when they play live and i mean i just sent you something to me that i thought it was probably her best like backing band or whatever it was yeah 
off the hook. It was someone on cello, of course, and then they had someone that would beatbox loops and make loops out of it and play piano, and they all sang together, and it sounded so damn good. Well, first, like what you said, this album's amazing, but then each album is amazing in its own way because there's like a new concept or idea that she's moved like working from and tone. And then you have to not be like too like attached because then when you see her live, you don't know who she's going to end up playing with. <laughs> like she puts together this other group and then they have to know her music well enough and like translate it through there, you know, like with different types of musicians. Do you remember there was a guy celloist at one point, like a young guy, Right. he was like obsessed with her stuff. So he really knew her stuff so they could play older albums like you know because he knew her catalog i think I, so there's like but then like the drummer was the woman who was like just really like rudimentary drums yeah she had like a marching drum kit <laughs> it was so weird it was it was interesting so each time she has to translate her work with who she's working with and so it's fun. It's interesting, but you can't be like, oh, it's going to sound exactly like this or, but I feel like this album, definitely she's played songs from forever. Yeah. She definitely plays like my old headboard and she'll play like watch TV. I think that's about it though. And then uh trench mouth, if I remember right, it didn't age too well. Yeah. She says something in there that I'm sure she wouldn't say anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are going to be happy. Even like her strange plays, like her weird little stories she tells. Oh, yeah. Those are odd too. <laughs> Dwarf Star. Oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. But then the Christian Soldiers. Oh, that yeah. That, that one's pretty yeah. crazy too. She always makes little voices up and characters and stuff. Right. And then How We Quit the Forest is so true. And, uh, life in general <laughs> because like you're like always building up something of like the scene or whatever but it's never as good as you remember it and it'll never be as good as you remember it because that's just how it is yeah <laughs> no it's good i was listening yeah list re-listening to this was really fun it is really good but well, let's take a quick break yeah quick break Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network.
anyway, we just took a break, and I guess Santos found the Rasputina Conan O'Brien thing. Conan looks so young. Yeah, 1998. Wow. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to rip it. You have to find the episode two of Regis and Kathy Lee. Yeah. Because Rasputina is also on that. I found like an episode detail. 1996. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy because it's with the three celloists. And it has Chris as drums. It's, it looks crazy. They have like, <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. Fun. And I guess it probably kept getting taken down. It sounded like from NBC or whatever. Oh, okay. That's why the like you probably, probably couldn't find the video for a long time because they were taking down anything with you know, copyrights and things like that. Oh, right, right. That's true. Yeah, so we are back and we're going to talk about... Rasputina Frustration Plantation. It was released March 16 of 2004. And this one, I think I pretty much forgave Melora for not sounding like how we quit the forest. And I realized that there's like this crazy overarching like theme over music. Like this definitely like you could tell that there's this crazy story behind it. It has this whole entire atmosphere and everything throughout the whole entire album. And she's basically, it says, Frustration Plantation has many songs directly relating to women's lives in the Old South. And it almost sounds like a soundtrack in a sense. I'm wondering if it was on something, like on some TV series or something. It doesn't show how long it is. Oh, well. It doesn't. Oh, let me look. Yeah, it was produced by Joseph Bashura and Melora Krieger. And on this one, Zoe Keating. Sorry, I was just looking up. It says it's 44 minutes long. 44 minutes. And um, Jonathan Tabist does drums. There's also some drum programming here, which was done by Joseph Bashura. Who's the drummer again? I'm trying to remember. It's the I same see a one. Picture. <laughs> this is the one I I did not agree with the drummer. I was really upset with him, but you know That's what? That's when He's you not made me bad. move to a whole different side of the venue, <laughs> so we didn't have to see his face. <laughs> they definitely had a southern vibe to their costuming. He was wearing like a Civil War style outfit i didn't like his drums much but you know it's not like once again when you're listening to rasputina when you see him live it's always going to be different and so i wasn't into that mindset at the time when we saw them live yet and then when there's not that person there you go where'd they go <laughs> Who's this new person? So you can't be attached to anybody. Don't, yeah, because you'll be sad. You'll be very sad. <laughs> yeah, like what? We've seen them three or four times, and every time, well, no, that's not true because we saw them open up for Les Claypool. Ugh. And that was with the same lineup. So we've seen them like three, two or three times with the same lineup. But then after that, it's always been different, (laughs) which is pretty insane. 
Because you're constantly having to teach people your yeah your work like that's yeah that's true hard right like you can't just like okay let's go it's like oh i have to figure out how to get my music out on the road again right exactly so but this album is really damn good from the first song on to the other songs it just goes through this crazy theme of like once again of like just women's stories of the old south it was secret message it was the one that was like okay this is a rad album but doomsday averted so damn good good opener oh god it's like an awesome opener so wait i can't remember is this the one where it talks about this person that it might be cabin fever where they lost their arm or something like that yeah, it might be Cabin. <laughs> I don't know. She always has like a narrative. Like it sounds like she's even reading it through like a book or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it has like kind of like some silly cellos going on through the background and my sweet captives. That's a pretty crazy story. The cat like my captivity. Yeah. yeah my captivity. Yeah, I was, like, by I was Right? But it made me laugh because I was thinking about the wording of it is very strange because it's like violent story of being kidnapped, but she keeps describing the kidnappers as like handsome or virile and scantily clad. And so this is like a weird nerdy thing. But when I was in undergrad and I studied history, I did American history and we were reading like autobiographies. And studying, like, kind of like who tells what story through what lens. And there would be these books from women who claim they were kidnapped by Native Americans. But then it was like confusing on whether if they were really kidnapped or not, or if they just were like bailing out because the Native Americans had more resources and like could survive and like where they were wasn't you know, like they weren't surviving, so they would leave. So there was like this interesting thing of like what narrative was told. So it just kind of made me remind me of that. Like, oh, this woman who's like, oh, it was really terrible. But it's like a peace out. I'm going (laughs) with these people. (laughs) So I don't know. You'll have to listen to it and see what you get from it. Okay. Interesting. And I guess there was a bonus disc of different mixes and like demos in a way too. Is it like on the CD? Uh, yeah, it's like 18 minutes. I didn't know. Crazy. I can check. I bet I have that CD. You probably do. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't realize the song Wicked Dicky was a Lead Belly song. Oh, it is? No. Oh, That's okay. what Wikipedia says. Crazy. Because okay. I don't, I was just looking at the you know the track listing yeah and um oh you're right and then i don't know what this whole entire if your kisses can't hold the man you love yes which is a very funny song and kind of and so i was like always thought that was a weird song because it was like i don't know dated sounding and kind of comedy and it's like oh it it was from some other time period (laughs) it makes sense for sure wow all right so my favorite song is definitely secret message i didn't want to play that one right now (laughs) 
secret message that I must give to you. It concerns suspicious blessings. Now I'm sure you know what to do. But if it should be some bad news, you know you can lean on me. It might explain Nostradamus, my addiction to prophecy. I'm not at liberty to say how a secret message came for you today. Ah, oh, so good. <laughs> It is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> yeah. And we should probably brush over the whole entire. We, I, well, of course, we talked about unknown, and that was an unreleased thing. And it was talking about how she got hacked. There was this album that they were holding the masters. They're holding as a um, what do you call it? Like a ransom. Yeah, they were holding it as ransom. Oh, is it two thousand six, two thousand seven, or was it two thousand ten? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But. There was this time when I guess she had this fan. I guess they somehow hacked her account and took over her computer and took all the masters from this album and said if she didn't pay a certain amount or whatever, then they would delete everything. And when I read it on Facebook, it just looked crazy. Like, she needed help or something. It was very concerning. I think I sent you the, the post at the time. I was like, what's going on with Melora? This is yeah, really it, Yeah, because cool. she got lost access to everything. Unfortunately, like, I guess she didn't have the support system and they just all thought she was crazy too. For a while, this album wasn't on Spotify and it just recently came on here, like maybe a year or two ago. And... I really feel bad for her because like in, in what in the 2016s on up corporations have been getting hacked and they would get all this ransomware. I mean, it's a very common thing, but back then I don't know if it was as common to say the least. And ever since then, she hasn't really come back online. Yeah. She's been very like what we were looking at things recently and it was her saying like, Oh, our music is so easy to find online and this and that. Now she's releasing everything old school again. <laughs> like it was like, you have to come buy it. You have to wait for it to show up in the mail or whatever. Like she's just kind of like overcorrected maybe a little bit. <laughs> and it sucks because like such a bad experience traumatized her to an extent and pretty much I want to say I'm sorry. That's just awful to experience something like that. And I feel bad for her. Yeah, it's messed up. They said most of like a lot of her work is just gone. Like she lost so much of her life's work and that, yeah, what would send anybody into a tailspin and a bad mental health place? Right. And especially not having the support system. And of all people to like do this, like not that if you should be someone who's like more famous, but it's like, this is someone who is such a unique art form. And it's like, why would you pick on like Melora? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like what they got from her. Like, I don't understand it. 
Yeah, totally. And now it's really hard to get her albums because she doesn't have a website. And basically, she used to have a mailing list and you have to order it from her. And it's either on vinyl or a CD and it's very limited. There's two or three other albums. She's still releasing stuff, but it's really hard to find. Mm -hmm. So I do want to say I get her perspective because I recently had some issues with some of my accounts getting hacked and you do kind of want to just like scrub yourself from the internet. Like you want to be like off everybody. I don't want to exist. I want to change my phone number. I want everything changed. (laughs) So I get it. But then I'm also like, but what about your fans? (laughs) How do we think contact? I don't know. Is she on even any social media again? No. If you look at like what's even on Spotify, the last album is released in 2010. She's released like four other albums. Oh. I've never heard. Well, I've heard Unknown, but the other three I've never heard. Yeah. The Feel Good Hits and None But the Lonely Heart and The Skin is Living Leather. Never heard them. How? We have to figure it out. Yeah, and that live thing I sent you was from 2016, I guess. Mm. And God, I wish I would have went and seen them live. But I think it was at the time when we were like, oh, I don't know, we've seen them so much, we're too busy. Yeah, <laughs> she does have an Instagram, but it's unofficial, so I'm sure it's just like just a fan. No, like just to like follow when there's recitals. Huh. I don't know how personal it is anymore versus like before maybe she put more out there and now I bet she's more reserved. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, we love Malora. We love yeah. Rasputina because we love a lot of the other musicians that she has found along the way and worked with. <laughs> They've always performed really great live, even if it's like we said, it's different from what the album is, but it's not. It's not disappointingly different at all. It's magical. And her work did transform. We got to watch it go from kind of like bigger shows and standing and watching and stuff to recitals where it was seated, you you know, like just smaller venues and like you're seated. It's like really beautiful. And that was really fun to participate and witness that and then we also always we talked about this last one always laugh about the time she played at a steampunk ball (laughs) and complained the whole time and seemed very annoyed like she did not like you could tell (laughs) yeah they must have given her a lot of money or something to show up there because she showed up and she was just kind of dragging her feet to the stage and then she sat down took off her shoes which took like a minute or two because they were like these Doc Martens that went up to her knees almost or whatever. The, yeah, Lisa. Yeah, it went pretty high. And then she was just like, Ugh, it smells like steam in here. Yeah, she kept talking about it was stinky because it was like all these weird. Steam it was like a steampunk thing. And I don't think they were giving her the energy she deserved because there was like, we were like right up front. But it wasn't, people were like messing around with their weird little machines and there's like a little art gallery upstairs. She did not seem happy. Maybe she didn't get paid. Maybe they promised her a certain amount and then they were like psych. And so she's like, Ugh. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. You could tell she was not happy though. She's like eye rolling it. 
Okay, so here's some weird facts. Supposedly, there's a dead Milkman song called Melora Says, and which has some themes covered in Rasputina's music. Oh. <laughs> the song Transylvanian Concubine was used in season two, episode 13 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I never really watched that show and I really want to because so many people reference it. That's an interesting show. We might have to do that for Gothtober. I don't know. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, I'm excited. Okay. I think we covered Rasputina and I think she deserves it. We love her. Yeah, we definitely love her. And it's always a special place in my heart for Rasputina. And I hope some one of these days she will come around again. And I hope to get to see her live. I mean, the last lineup was so amazing. Mm-hmm. So that would have been fun. Yeah, maybe she'll do a tour or something soon. Who knows? People are leaving their homes again. That'll be our goal. <laughs> or to at least get onto some sort of mailing list where we can look at a catalog of her wares that she's selling. <laughs> right, for sure. So let's just kick this off and end this. You could find me at all social medias under Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me on Instagram and Spotify as Sister Santos. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>